Hey guys, it is Georgie Stevenson from the Rise and Conquer podcast. And Madeline Carafa from the Healthy Hustlers. We are so excited. We have joined forces and we're going on tour. We'll be hitting the road to bring our communities a live podcast event. Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney girlfriends, get ready. We're coming for you. The Rise and Conquer X Healthy Hustlers live podcast is proudly brought to you by Shopback and supported by EcoTan X Eco by Sonia and Goodness Me Box. A well-being and mindset event that has been designed to nourish your mind, body and soul and inspire you to step into your power, realize your full potential and take empowered action. This event includes a nourishing and healthy breakfast a morning of interactivity and mindfulness workshops, a live podcast session with me and Madeline, an expert panel to dive deep into all things holistic health, mindset, and embark on a journey to take empowered action and step into your power. Plus, of course, you get a goodie bag jam-packed with your favorite health and well-being products that is valued over $100. And of course, you get to meet and greet me and Madeline and all of your new girlfriends. You'll leave feeling confident to take control of your dreams, knowing you have a new community of girlfriends supporting you along the way. With your notebook packed with practical tips and new knowledge you can inject into your daily life, you'll have exactly what it takes to rise, hustle and conquer. Tickets are now on sale. We will be in Brisbane on Sunday, the 4th of August, Sydney on Sunday, the 11th of August at Pier 1, and Melbourne on Saturday, the 17th of August at 40 Road Hyatt. Get your tickets now, check out the show notes, or go to the links in our Instagram bios. We cannot wait to meet you all. See you all there. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your happy host, Madeline Carafa, self-proclaimed health enthusiast and full-time hustler. Through storytelling, I combined health, well-being and business with a fresh perspective to share the stories of some of the most influential and inspiring hustlers. Whether you're looking for an engaging and easy to digest pep talk or a boost of healthy enthusiasm to fuel your health and wellness goals. The Healthy Hustlers podcast is your go-to for kicking butt in work and play. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to this week's Healthy Conversation. Today, I'm thrilled to be chatting to the beautiful Julie Stefania, creator and founder of Style Runner, an online activewear retailer who has been said to have inspired the sports luxe craze. Growing by almost 2,000% in the first three years, Style Runner now ships to over 100 countries, stocks more than 70 emerging and established brands, including the leaders in sports activewear, Nike and Adidas. In just five years, Julie and her team have firmly cemented Style Runner as the go-to online destination for all female activewear and sports luxe lovers. I absolutely loved chatting to Julie at Style Runner HQ in Sydney. We had such a beautiful chat about her journey building Style Runner, her healthy habits to keep her hustle healthy 
and so much more. I know you guys are going to find so much gold in this episode. So sit back and please enjoy this healthy conversation. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by Neon, the go-to marketplace for models, social media influencers and celebrities to connect with brands. Julie, hello and welcome to The Healthy Hustlers podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Well, as good as can be. Had a nice break. I'm back at work. And um, yeah, lots on. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, I was just saying to you that I absolutely loved all your photos while you were, you were away. It looked like an incredible trip. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. I was just talking about how much I love Oman. Like it's so natural and beautiful and time goes so slow there. It's like the literal opposite of Dubai, which is fun, fun city. <laughs> but when I go on holiday, I just like to wind down. It was a great place to visit. Oh, that is so nice. I need to put it on my list now after you've told me all about it. <laughs> Sounds absolute bliss. <laughs> So I always like starting these conversations with finding out something about people that most people might not necessarily know. And I think just with social media and the online world these days, we kind of assume that we know so much about people, but there's always so much more to people than, you know, is shown online. So what is something fun or quirky or unique about you that most people wouldn't know? One thing I think that lot, not a lot of people would know is that I am quite a film buff, but I love like old school film. So actually the job that I got before I started this business was working for like a streaming video on demand service, so kind of like Netflix, yes. um, but for um, foreign film, art house film, um, cult and indie film. And I got that job because I just love that type of cinema. So I love like French film from the 60s and Italian film and it's just like a secret little um yeah kind of thing that I love so oh that is so good I love that Mm -hmm. and is that something that you would opt to do on like a Saturday night in is just watch one of those type of movies yeah I used to way more so um sadly I'm so busy now (laughs) that I don't get to enjoy it as much as I um used to but I've got an incredible cinema of yeah films I've collected over the years and I try to get my husband into, you know, watching a few of those films with me. Uh-huh. But um, the service I used to work for, Mubi, they still have an incredible selection of films. It's really cool. They, like, rotate a new film in and a new film out every day. So oh, it's like wow. you've always got this curation of 30 really cool hand-selected films from around the world. So I try to use Mubi as well. Oh, that's um, a good little tip. I mm, like that one. There you go. <laughs> What's your go-to movie? Do you have a f- favourite? Um, I love Jean-Luc Godard from the 1960s, a French New Wave. It's just kind of very cool very chic but there's also something quite romantic about it Uh, yeah his films just uh always a go-to for me oh so good I'll have to check that one out (laughs) so I like to wind back the clock early on because I think it's nice to give the audience some context of what you were like growing up in your childhood so can you take us all the way back and give a little sneak peek into Julie growing up Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up as a twin. Um, We were the youngest, so we had two elder sisters, so four girls in my family. As a twin, I think that I kind of got the role of being able to be quiet in the background. My sister was, you know, really lively and, you know, kind of always doing something fun. And so I just kind of was a bit of a wallflower. And I grew up and I was like, you know, the one reading books while my sister was out playing with all the kids on the street. She was super social. And I was just really shy and introverted, which we talked a little bit about. (laughs) So yeah, being an introvert, I was, yeah, just really, really quiet. And I think a lot of people sometimes can mistake introverts for being like rude or standoffish. It's not that at all. It's more of a shyness. 
And so, yeah, I kind of was really studious growing up. I love to read. I love to study, but always very curious as well, really curious about the world. And I kind of had like a few like crazy little inventions growing up and that sort of thing. So there's definitely a kind of quirky side to me. I'd be always coming up with like some grand idea and, you know, (laughs) kind of telling my parents. And there's definitely a goofy side of me that not a lot of people see. So when I'm with people of my family or friends and I'm really relaxed with, there's definitely a very goofy kind of playful side to me, which is, you know, just really zany. And I guess it's kind of where part of my creativity stems Mm -hmm. from. So, yeah, going through school, I was into really serious subjects, though. I did like sort of maths one, maths two, physics, chem at high school. And my first degree that I started was a science degree. So I was quite serious about studying and getting really good grades. And a friend reminded me yesterday, I was just like, what, what was I like as a you know child? I kind of get asked that question a lot. Is there anything you remember? Um, and I guess from his perspective – I was always kind of a bit of a teacher's favorite. (laughs) I'm not going to use the word that we all want to say because I wasn't that annoying, but somehow I was still kind of quite likable as well with the peers. So I kind of was able to walk that line very diplomatically. So um, yeah, Yeah. but yeah, I love to study. I was was always really good, but I also was kind of pretty relaxed and chilled. So Mm -hmm. I guess that's kind of why. But yeah, so I started a science degree and then I just didn't know what I was going to do with a science degree. And so ultimately I changed into a business and marketing degree and mm-hmm. I just instantly really loved that. Yes. Um, like I just could see where I would apply it mm-hmm. and I could just see so many real world examples. And I just simply didn't have enough role models in the science sphere to understand yeah. what I would do with a science degree. Um, now I think there's so much more role models, which I think is great because I'm a huge advocate for especially women, Mm -hmm. more women in, you know, science and technology. So I think there's lots of great role models about what you could become now. You know, you can be an engineer, all sorts of things. And yeah, ended up in sort of business and marketing. Wow. And then here you are today in Star Mm. Runner. I think that's such an interesting touch point though, because I often think I wanted to be a fashion designer when I was young, but I had no one that was in fashion. Like my mom was a hairdresser and my dad was a landscape gardener. And so it's sometimes interesting now, I guess, you know, having been in marketing for so many years and working in fashion businesses, and I'm like, oh my goodness, there is actually so many different jobs in fashion. But sometimes we get so we don't get exposed to it enough at school. And it does, if you don't have someone around you that's already doing that, it does become quite a scary thing. And I often think, I'm like, oh, I wonder how at schools they could incorporate that more or even at university to just show the variety of jobs that are actually available I to us. Totally agree. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, there is such a high statistic on the number of people who change careers midway through. I think it's really high, like over 50% of adults end up changing career at some point yes. in their life. And we spend so much time going mm-hmm. to, you know, study or university or doing a diploma or whatever it is in that first degree. It's like we're investing so much time in something we're not even sure we're going to enjoy and like. Yes. And ultimately the stats prove yeah, we're, we we're actually <laughs> studying, contributing to something that we don't, we're no longer going to need. So I think that, yeah, it's a huge opportunity for, mm-hmm. yeah, greater education around the sorts of careers and learning more about it or trialing it before we all commit ourselves to that sort of 
study period. Yeah, absolutely. So I do like that you touched on being an introvert because that's something I definitely want to chat to you a little bit about. Um, I mentioned before that I saw you speak at the Wellness Festival a few years ago and you spoke really well about being an introvert that now is in a management role and, you know, ultimately you're running a business and, and people are looking up to you. So I do want to dive into that, but I would like to start with finding out a bit more about your idea behind Style Runner. So today you are the biggest online activewear retailer and you have over 70 brands in your store, including the leaders in sportswear, Nike and Adidas. Can you take us back and give a little insight into when you initially thought of this idea of Style Runner? I guess I, somewhere when I was really young, started to fall in love with fashion and I wasn't always that way because, again, I was just talking to my friend from high school And he actually pointed out to me one day that I was like wearing the same T-shirt every casual Friday (laughs) that we had. And I was like, I was totally blissfully unaware of fashion at all. And that was when I kind of like looked and went like, oh my God, you're right. Like I don't even think about what I'm like dressing in. And I became aware of people's perceptions. Mm. And so then I was like, okay, what do I need to wear? And so then I really fell in love with it and I kind of started to um, get an eye for all sorts of things. So when I kind of went from realizing, you know, a bit more about fashion, really kind of like just getting into it, I became, you know, I got my first job just so I could purchase things, you know, like I started to want to buy things. And and then ultimately I was buying fashion from really cool websites eventually. I mean, we're fast forwarding quite a few years now when I was working at Mubi in particular, I can remember always ordering these incredible parcels from like Net-A-Porter and, and Matches, et cetera. And so I knew what a really great experience was like. Like I loved fashion at that stage. I was like super willing to try things early and like was just excited by the whole thing. And then I, when I was working in London for Mubi, I took up Bikram yoga and I am either like a zero or a hundred at something. Like I either will do something obsessively or just not at all. And so I took up Bikram yoga. So I started doing it every day before work. (laughs) Like it's the only way I can do things. So um, I was going to Bikram yoga every day. And obviously you need a lot of yoga clothes if you're going to go to Bikram every day. And so I started shopping for that and just noticed this huge disparity between the joy I was getting for shopping for fashion, which a lot of great retailers were doing really well. And going to sports stores and just being so uninspired and let down, like I just wanted to feel as excited about my, you know, cute yoga purchase. And I just was, yeah, shocked by how limited the range was. So it didn't even hit me straight away. Honestly, I was just, I'll keep looking, I'll keep looking. And I would turn to online and I just couldn't find much cool activewear anywhere. And so it was literally back at Bikram one day after Shavasana and I'm still thinking about my yoga purchase that I want to make and can't spend my money anywhere. And then I was just like, oh my gosh, I should start an online store for, for women's sportswear in a really cool way, in a way that kind of no one's ever really done it. And that was, you know, kind of like felt like the clouds are parting type moment. And I just thought, okay, I'm going to do it. And so that was my dream job when I was working at Mubi. I absolutely loved what I was doing. I loved the industry, had so many cool perks, but literally I think I resigned within that week and just said, I'm going to do this. And yeah. And so kind of just decided to do it. I had no idea how to do retail. I had no idea. Yeah. I've never been a buyer. Um, I've never worked in fashion. I just thought, you know what, I kind of know how it should look from yeah. the outside. I know what I want the experience to feel like. I'll kind of work out how to make it happen. That's crazy because you were living in London at that point, weren't you? Yes. 
And so what was the process, I guess, in your mind of you're sitting in London in your dream job that you're actually like really, really loving? Because you didn't start this as a side hustle star runner, did you? It was just like all in. So what was kind of the thought of, I guess, I know that this is going to work and I'm going to leave the job that I love and I'm going to start star runner? Honestly, in that moment when I had the idea for it, it just all kind of felt like it clicked into place and made so much sense. Like, mm-hmm. and, and there is a little bit to say about, you know, they say that only the naive start, you know, startups because they have no idea what they're getting themselves in for. So there's a part of that where I just absolutely thought it was going to work, but I don't know, was that actually, you know, kind of well-placed faith or was it actually just naive because it was a mountain of work? So there's something for saying, you know, something to be said for just believing and taking that leap. I did a little bit of research before I resigned and just out of curiosity more than anything, Mm, when I saw this opportunity and the idea for it, I was like, like, how big is the market? Does this really, does this idea stack up? Like, who are the players in this market? And, you know, kind of where is the share of business? So I did a lot of research. And at that stage, um, you know, the the biggest players are the Nikes and the Adidas's, et cetera. They're doing like 20 billion and 30 billion sort of respectively. So it's a very large market. It's about mm-hmm. a $400 billion market globally. Um, but the one that I thought stood out, they showed me that there was some kind of volume behind this idea of premium women's activewear was Lululemon. So Lululemon was doing a billion dollars as a fairly youngish company by that stage. They were public though. So I mean, youngish, I think they were under 10 years old, maybe. They were growing 40% year on year, which is enormous for a business that size. And they were famous for leggings that were expensive. Mm. So I was like, that's essentially my sort of concept. It's women's and it's premium. And here's a business that is doing a huge volume and growing. Women Mm. love the idea. Now they were doing it for a brand, which I think is fantastic. What I wanted to do was to do it for multi-brands so that I could save women time and, you know, kind of bring together a really cool curation where they could browse lots of different brands. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like one point of, um, you know, kind of data out there that kind of proved the concept. And I just wanted to take that further and actually, you know, kind of take the level of curation. So with that kind of evidence and the size of market, I just thought I kind of was enough to convince me this has got to be an opportunity. That's insane. So would you say that some of your previous roles and experiences still has helped with the development and the growth of Style Runner from your, like your skill set? Yeah, definitely. I think that every role, and I say that to people now, whether they come and join Style Runner for a short time or a long time, or whether I'm giving someone career advice, I think there is so much to be learned from every single role that you Mm do. For me, I worked at a bank, I worked at ANZ Institutional Finance for about four or five years and I was analysing, it was my first role out of uni and I was analysing like loans for property developments or property investment portfolios, but large. And so that was all about risk analysis and, you know, kind of projects and and that kind of level of discipline and, Mm -hmm. you know, risk analysis is so great for my business now. I've sold advertising in magazines before just as kind of like a, fun job in between jobs. Mm-hmm. And that that is definitely like not something I loved at the time, but learning how to sell and just, you know, kind of understanding the psychology of, of that was super helpful. And then obviously my time at Mubi, it was a startup. It was a technology yeah. startup. It was, you know, kind of building a team and getting everyone aligned. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you learn something from every single role. You've kind of got to really apply yourself and develop those skills at mm-hmm. every opportunity. Yeah, definitely. And I asked that question because it's something that I'm 
think I'm really figuring out myself now is like all of these different jobs or roles that I've done, they're all adding up now. And I'm like, oh, okay, I learned that skill set here and I learned how to hustle here and I learned, you know, how to be so process driven here. And it's it's really interesting then seeing it all come together into your own business. And you're like, oh, all of those jobs were getting me somewhere. And there was a reason behind why I was doing it, even though I may not have understood it or realized it at the time. I completely agree. And I think that to take it like a step further, there is something to be said for do you believe in the destiny of we were we did all the roles that we've done yeah. because they're supposed to take us somewhere? Like I potentially believe in that. There's a book mm-hmm. that I was just thinking about recently when I was on holiday, The Celestine Prophecy. Have you read oh, that book? Oh, no. It's um, really interesting and a lot of it is about, you know, kind of like why are you here on this earth? You know, what are you here to do? And I just remember thinking back to that book and there's a lot of philosophical stuff in there but I don't know the answers obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't know the meaning of life. But it kind of talks even about your parents and yeah, what okay. your parents did and how mm-hmm. that is actually here to shape you. Wow. So I don't know the answer, but I like to be really open-minded to these things. Absolutely. And you just never know if, you know, kind of you're on the path that mm-hmm. you are on, even at times when things are tough or things are bad, yeah. to learn the lessons that you need. So yes. I kind of try to be um, open-minded to that. Yeah, I love that. I'm definitely going to read that book. It sounds very interesting to it's me. really interesting. <laughs> So when you initially had resigned from your job and you were going to launch Style Runner, what were the first kind of steps that you did take? I just remember not being able to sleep. And so I was probably <laughs> working like, I don't know, 15 hours a day because I was just so excited. I did not want to sleep. Yeah. So it was just like all day and like just way into the night I would be, I wrote like maybe a little bit of an outline of a business plan, but not so much. It wasn't like I was ever showing anyone that. It was just kind of like jotting down all the things that I needed to do, you know? So it was like, okay, research an e-commerce platform, um, you know, kind of work out what, which is the best suitable one for us, work out how much it's going to cost, create a brand, get a logo made, buy the brands, like find the, the brands that we want to stock and reach out to them and pitch them and So I kind of just wrote a a sort of list and I also went to a lot of conferences. There's a lot of really good retail conferences and things like that. I just kind of went and went to as many of those as I could. I was like sitting in the front row, had my notepad, literally wrote down like every word that anyone said, if it was something that I didn't know and like thought it was important. And then I would um, just like try and get onto things really quickly. So I was just like hustling to kind Mm -hmm. of get like learn everything that I needed to and, and then kind of put it into play. So, um, yeah, I mean, one by one, I just started doing the things that I knew I had to do as I learned more things that I needed or as things came up, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just tried to tackle those as well. Um, but it definitely took because we didn't. So I launched it with my twin sister and because we didn't have a like budget for staff at that time, we had some funds for like setting up the business, like paying for our e-commerce website and the initial stock and that sort of thing. But we did everything until right before we launched, we hired a graphic designer Wow. literally just hired one one young girl and she was, you know, kind of, um, yeah, kind of she did our homepage tiles and our, and our EDM, our newsletters oh that would goodness. go out to um, people. So we had to do everything. So did you the fund the business at the start? That was from your savings? Yes. Yeah, wow. we, we did. So, I mean, we ended up spending more than we thought. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lesson in that for everyone. Like firstly, whatever you think it's going to cost, I don't know, like triple it. Yeah. But <laughs> then there's also a part where we just kind of continue to gain confidence in what we were going to go to market with. Mm-hmm. And we probably made it sort of, we invested more consciously. So there's a part that just 
was unexpected, mm-hmm. unexpectedly more. There's a part that we also said, no, this is like continuing to get the most incredible feedback from everyone we speak to. So we kind of like invested a bit more in the sort of number of brands that we brought on and, you know, all of that sort of thing. Yeah. But yeah, it was more than I anticipated, but we're really lucky that, you know, kind of the time when we launched our business, there was a time when social media was truly free. Mm-hmm. Uh, like now everything's yes. being monetized and so you get a little Definitely. bit for free. But to get the same sort of reach we did when we launched, you now have to kind of have additional advertising budget Absolutely. to some degree. Like, yes. You know, you, you can get some really good viral posts, but mm-hmm. I mean like every post of ours was getting incredible reach yeah. and going viral. Um, so we, we were lucky that we launched at a great time and were able to kind of make back what we mm-hmm. sort of had invested in those first few years and, um, you know, kind of grow really organically. How have you stayed relevant, I guess, because that digital platform and social media is evolving so quickly. How as a business have you kind of stayed on top of that and really relevant? You have to continually be willing to disrupt yourself. So, Mm -hmm. you know, one of our five values at Starrunner is about reinventing. So we're always willing to like question every single thing we do. And if I get something from another brand that's disruptive or, you know, I will like show my entire team and go like, this is the sort of thing like, you know, we should be thinking about. So I'm continually setting as examples anything that is disruptive and especially disrupting yourself. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not afraid to do that. I think if you're not continually pushing forward, then someone else will come along and disrupt you. So, yeah, I mean, we we look at that in terms of the sort of brands that we stock, the way that we do our photography, we're continually mm. reinventing that, the way that we kind of write our copy around our product, um, sort of things that might go out in our packaging. So last um, a few months ago we sent out just a free scrunchie that in every parcel just as a surprise and it was – it had a little pun that said like, here you go. <laughs> just, so you know, cute. like little things yeah. that you can just like make the customer smile. So um, the problem with reinventing all the time is that some of it has longer lead time. So mm-hmm. we are working on our e-com experience. So we're working on that behind the scenes, but that might not be able to go out to market. Like I wish we could be disrupting like every month, you know, yes. like here's something new, but some of it you kind of got to work on behind the scenes until you can kind of release it. So um, in that vein, there's something really exciting that we've been launching or working to launch in July, but I can't mention it. I'm excited. You'll have to stay tuned. (laughs) you have to stay tuned. So so that's in the works. So continually Mm -hmm. thinking about what you can do for the consumer that is new and different. Yes. Um, And not just disrupt for the sake of disrupting. You've Mm -hmm. got to just think about it from a consumer's lens and what does she want? What can we do to make things easier for her? What can we do to, you know, kind of – make her smile, you know, so you've kind of got to do it for a really good reason. But I just think that there is always more that you could be doing along that way yeah. if you actually really ask yourself. I think it's a really good point too, especially for startups who are maybe, you know, don't have the biggest marketing budgets or wanting to spend a lot. I, my previous role was with a startup and they were so big on disrupting and, and thinking of things outside the box that didn't necessarily cost a huge amount of money that but were just grab attention if it was, you know, how are we delivering a box of goodies to a potential supplier? Like how are we making that more fun or more engaging or making the office talk about it? And so I really love that you you touch on that as well because I think in, you know, especially with the way social media is going these days, it's it's really hard to rely on that as a platform because it is harder to get your message out there and to get followers and all of that because it's more of an advertising platform now. So yeah, I really like that you touch on that disruption and that you're constantly thinking of how to do that. Was there a kind of pivotal moment or something that stands out to you with Style Runner that you really knew that you were onto something pretty special? 
I think it was just the response from consumers when we first launched the business. Like there was a few days only in the first few months, there was literally like two or three days where we didn't get an order. And so that was kind of like, ah, we didn't get an order today. Is this it? Is it, you know, but like the next day you might get three or four orders. And so they were just little, you know, kind of one-offs. So besides those couple of days, I mean, the response was actually amazing. And just to launch this new concept with barely any marketing Mm -hmm. behind it, we just used social media and a bit of PR. We just saw those numbers grow month on month on month on month. And I mean, the growth rate was crazy. Mm. So this is our fourth office in six years. So we were literally moving office on average, like every, you know, year to year and a half because we'd just outgrown it. And I, you know, remember some of the places that we were in and we had our inventory in our office and the boxes would get like a Nike delivery and there were so many boxes and we were running out of space that like we, we have a couple of all-in team meetings a couple of times a week and those meetings are generally held in like the common space but they were so full of boxes. We were like sitting on boxes. Oh it was like goodness. probably a bit OH&S. So, you know, just that growth, like yeah. that was just apparent within months of launching mm. the concept that – women and the response like just not just the sales but hearing women go oh my god this is incredible this is my my new favorite site I am so just excited that you've launched this so yeah it was a customer feedback that we were getting that kind of we just knew because honestly it makes sense now but when we launched it was a bit of a like I don't know do people think this is going to be too like vain and materialistic mm. for sportswear because it had never been done on models with makeup yes. and, you know, glossy, like we did this whole wet hair look and it yeah. was like, it makes sense now. Like why not make things fashion-y and editorial? But Definitely. back then sportswear was not sold that way. Mm-hmm. And so but you made it that way, which is incredible. Way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back after this healthy break. Neon is the go-to marketplace for models, social media influencers and celebrities to connect with brands. A one-stop shop where you can easily book talent to create your next campaign, launch a bespoke influencer event, source content creation or activate your digital marketing strategy with their in-house and dedicated social management services. If your brand needs a holistic approach to marketing, then Neon is the social agency for you. Neon proudly offers a diverse array of services that will help you launch, build or take your brand to the next level. All you need to do is head to their website, neonmodelmanagement.com to find out more about their holistic approach to marketing. So as a leader, um, I know we touched on a little bit before about um, you being an introvert. And so what are kind of some of the, I guess, self-development or personal development that you've had to do to kind of ensure that you're always on the top of your game and giving your team what they need to continue to be at the best that they can be? Uh, Yeah, I think that, you know, I've just tried to read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of um, like YouTube videos on leadership. So um, yeah, there's some really great materials out there like I've, I've even one of my meditation apps that I listen to is kind of like you know seven things that mindful leaders can do you know oh, so cool. whenever I see something on leadership mm-hmm. I really try to absorb it because I know that I'm just still learning as a leader and I know that you know my natural style is an introvert which is quite isolated and you know kind of just get work done it takes a lot for me to come out of my shell and give like mm-hmm. I get my energy from you know kind of recuperating and you know sort of being on my own so um, yeah, it's been a conscious effort to 
to do that. So yeah, just try to try to learn when you're not doing, yeah. you should be learning. So yeah, I really like that. And I think, I know I was saying it to you prior to recording this interview, but I think you see, you know, people on social media and, and business owners, and you kind of just assume that they're, you know, they're really outgoing and they love managing people and they love leading teams, but it's not necessarily always the way. And, you know, your business has evolved so much in such a short period of time that you've had to kind of grow with it and learn. So yeah, I can actually see how people would probably look at my photos or, you know, those mm. sorts of things and think that I would be extroverted because for one thing, my clothing, I love bright, like even, you know, kind of statement making clothing. Like mm. I find that maybe because I am quite close and introverted that it comes out, I express myself through nonverbal cues like that. So I'm sure that if someone's looking at me and I'm like dressed in like a tutu or something, okay, I don't really wear a tutu, but you know, like I'm just not afraid to wear things that are a bit left of center and a bit, you know, kind of bold. They probably think I'm just, you know, really extroverted, but actually I just find that an incredible source of creativity to be Mm -hmm. able to have fun with fashion and try new things. I'm not afraid of wearing something that's a bit ridiculous. Like it's just... I'm not too serious about that sort of thing. I can kind of have a laugh. So, yeah, from the outside, I probably look very extroverted, but um, not so. (laughs) Well, even when you said earlier about wearing the same T-shirt to all of your casual clothes days, I'm like, oh, I can't even imagine you like not loving fashion and being able to, you know, wanting to put that together from such a young age because it seems to come so naturally to you. It's funny because around the same time, so maybe within that year, I I also do remember times when I saw a piece of fashion and it might have been quite simple, but I remember, for example, um, I'm talking about the 90s now, which yeah. is lucky that the 90s are back in fashion. But I don't know if you remember that Country Road had this super simple sort of sweat and it had like the little Country Road tab on the right on the arm. Oh, yeah. And it was around the same time that Timberland boots were in. Oh, so it's yes. very anyway. <laughs> back, like, they? <laughs> yeah, they are. So I remember that in my kind of like schoolyard days. Yeah. And so there was definitely an inner part of me which saw these particular items mm-hmm. and was like, oh, I want that. And I remember as a child, like, I couldn't have everything that I wanted. I wasn't from a super affluent family. My parents were very working class. Mm. And I remember I would sort of say, can I have this? And my mum would be like, oh, no, we can't have that. And I'd be like, she'd be like, what about this jumper instead? And I'd be like, no, that's okay. Like, and I I wasn't sort of trying to, you know, kind of guilt her in any way. I just like knew, like, there was a part of me which knew I either loved something mm-hmm. or I just didn't need it. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, there was some sort of little fashion bud in there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice and was, early. You know, <laughs> I know. It's so funny to <laughs> see it all come back around. Though I still remember like when I was young being in a surf shop and I really wanted a pair of new jeans and yeah. mum was like trying to convince me to buy skinny leg jeans and I was like, this is when like flares and like, yeah. globe sneakers like gallows yeah. were in. I think. And I was like, mum, I'm never wearing skinny leg jeans. Like, yeah, right. And I'm like, now obviously my whole cupboard's full of skinny leg jeans and it's she used to say to me, you watch, it'll come back around and, yeah. it, and it sure does. So <laughs> now I would like to dive a little bit more into your health and well-being. So with obviously the demands of a global business, how do you kind of keep on top of your own personal health and well-being goals? I think one of the best things that I have done is I put my workouts in my diary. So even if it's just like 7am or, you know, 6.30 and there's nothing else competing for my time at that point. So I don't Mm -hmm. need to put it in my diary because it's to, to save that space from anything else. 
it just becomes commitment. Mm-hmm. So I like to plan my diary out and put my workouts in. I have a special color code for them so then I can look at my week and look at all the nice, you know, green colors across the week and see all my little workouts. And so I try to schedule like a mix of all things I love. I love spin. I love Pilates. I would like to try and get to more yoga. But yeah, putting them in your diary just you know, you start to see them as like a business meeting and you don't want to, you wouldn't cancel one of those. Mm-hmm. So you just have to kind of see it as a commitment like that. It's, it's part of your, your week. So I, I really find that helps. And I also think that choosing your outfit the day before, like get yourself prepared. So there's no kind of like procrastination on the morning of, and like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to, you know, where I'm not packed yet. It's like literally laid all out, get your, you know, your bag and your water and your mat or whatever it is that you need to take and no excuses. So funnily enough, that took a while for me to come back to because when I started the business, I started it because I loved going to Bikram yoga every day. But when I started the business and there was so few employees, I could just two of us, like I didn't have the time for it. And so that was a big process I went through. Like this doesn't make sense. I started this because I love to, to work out and now I don't have time for it. But it was a quote that actually turned me around. And I saw this quote that basically said, you know, if you want to make it happen, you'll find a way. If, not, if you don't, you will find an excuse. And so, yeah, I kind of got back into making it happen because I was like, it does matter to me. So, okay, if I'm going to find a way, how would I do that? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it took me, unfortunately, a little while to get back into the swing of things after starting a business but it makes so much sense. And I just know now how many other people out there would have that same feeling of, I don't Mm -hmm. have time to work out. And I can say that I've been there too. I've gone through that and didn't have the time for it. But as we all know, when you do make time for your workouts, you have so much more energy, more creativity. You just are more productive. So Mm -hmm. once you book those in, it really has such a positive impact. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so nice how sometimes a simple quote can trigger such a set behavior or something that you just put back in. And yeah, yeah, I have a few that I just love. And it's just funny how, you know, sometimes you just see them if it's on Instagram or I don't know, walking past a shop or something and it's on a wall and you see it at the time when you just really need it. And it's like that light bulb moment of like, okay, that is my sign to just, you know, commit back to that. So, but I find it is definitely a common thread with people who are starting businesses, especially in the health and wellness that they start in, you know, health or active or, you know, whatever yeah. it may be because of their passion and their love for that. And that all just goes to the wayside as soon as that they start because the business takes over. So yeah. I definitely think if anyone is listening and feeling like they've let their health and wellbeing goals go to the um, side, it's definitely a common thing. And I know, yeah, I know now personally, I, re- I really have to prioritize it and, and to remind myself of how good I actually do feel when I do do it. Yeah. And you have to remember that your like to-do list is never going to get shorter. Um, And so you kind of just have to say like, what's the worst that could happen? Mm -hmm. Like you have to prioritize your health and wellness and just see how it'll work out. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to give it a trial at least. And then you'll kind of go, huh, hang on, I found smarter ways to do things. And, you know, I kind of found someone that I could get to help with that. And you'll find actual ways to, you know, solve the rest of it, but you won't actually do that until you commit and spend that time yourself. Definitely. And I always think like signing up to something that one, you either absolutely love, like you did with Bikram yoga, 
or when you see the money coming out for a gym membership, I know I was like, okay, I actually need to sign up because if I'm paying for this every week, I'm going to go. So my friend was saying that to me. She's um, yeah, working in quite a big business and said now that she's found something, a Pilates class that she loves, it's on at 5.30 and she's like, I will literally leave work so that I do not miss that class because I love it so much and it's so much more important than like, you know, staying back till seven because I'm like I'll just make sure I get that done in my day instead of being like oh well I can beat my desk till seven if I have to kind of be so we're so lucky that now there are just so many really cool like boutique studios that are opening so it used to be Mm -hmm. that I think finding a workout that you enjoyed was really hard like it was kind of you know you're going to one of those big traditional gyms and they weren't the best experience. Oh, no. <laughs> so, but now you can't really, you know, use that excuse. There are Absolutely. so many like beautiful yoga mm-hmm. studios and Pilates studios and spin studios that feel like a real sort of luxury and retreat. Like it yes. definitely feels great. Yeah, there's definitely something for everyone to be able to find that they'll love. Yeah, I totally agree with that one. And now what are your kind of daily non-negotiables? My daily non-negotiables would be try and eat really well. So mm-hmm. I've talked about working out. Um, I try to work out sort of three to five times a week, depending on how busy I am. I yeah really try to eat quite a like high protein diet. I try to, again, make it a priority to eat sort of regularly so you don't get hungry and then end up snacking on something that's not great for you. So I focus on what you can eat rather than like what you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I find that when you get into that, you crave those beautiful meals. So I eat like a lot of, you know, kind of like salmon and beautiful big salads and yeah, like I've tried lots of keto type style recipes and then you kind of lose your craving for sweet things. That's so really good. Like once you actually work on what you can eat and eat more of that, your kind of taste buds evolve. So non-negotiables, sleeping well as well. So, you know, exercise, eating well and sleep. I try to get at least eight hours every night. And I know that for the first few nights, uh, sorry, first few years of starting this business, I was running on adrenaline. Mm. And I didn't even know it, but it felt great. Like I was having a great time. Okay, so I was so excited about the idea and I was on adrenaline. Like I felt like I was on like a high of just constantly working at this thing that I loved and I only needed like four or five hours sleep a night. But that is not sustainable and not advisable. So, you know, if you're running on adrenaline, you have a lot of cortisol in your body and that is not good for you on so many levels. Um, like one, it's aging. Two, it's, you know, really bad for your body and, you know, can lead to other things. And three, it's just not sustainable. You're going to lead to burnout. So I was able to do that, but I kind of just learned that actually I need to, you know, really get a lot of rest. And it's great to see, um, you know, a lot of business leaders now talking about that and talking about prioritizing sleep, like nine to thrive mm. and, and things like that. So yes. yeah, eat well, work out, sleep and spend time with family. Like I think really try and find some time to unwind and, mm you know, switch off. Like social media is like one of those things that has got lots of great benefits. Like we, you know, has definitely been a huge help to our business and it's helped us connect with an incredible community of women where we can share like lots of positive messages, getting people inspired to work out and lead healthier lives. So there's lots of pros to it. There's definitely lots of downsides to Mm -hmm. social media as well. So really finding time to kind of like actually drop all of that and kind of go back to 
what life used to be like, you know, spend some time outdoors, spend some time with your family, spend some time just smelling the roses. I think that's really important too. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's so nice that you touched on all of those different points because I always say or think that health is a full circle approach as well. It's not just about, you know, how hard we're working out of the gym or, you know, what we are or aren't eating. It very much is about, you know, nourishing your body, about moving, about the the relationships that you have and you surround yourself with. So it's definitely that full circle of, you know, that really holistic approach to making sure we're we're happy and whole as possible um, because it, you know, the end result is so much nicer. (laughs) Happiness is the key word. Like if you're doing anything that is detracting from that, whether it is a social media, for example, that I talked about, like there's a lot of comparison that happens with social media. And, you know, I was, someone was telling me recently about this study, you know, that like a decade ago, women would be reading magazines and for that one day or two days a month, maybe where they might pick it up again or read a different magazine, they would compare themselves to these, you know, kind of ideals and and feel kind of their shortcomings and and, and feel less than, but that now is happening every day and it's happening several times a day that we're comparing ourselves. So if there's anything like that, that is making you feel not happy, then like, it's really important to kind of be aware of that and, and learn some steps where you can you know, I kind of counter that. So if that is using social media less or if mm. it is about maybe unfollowing some people and following yes. the right people, following more quotes or things that mm-hmm. lift you up and inspire you, like it's all about, yeah, trying to find the happiness in the journey. Yes, for sure. And finding those triggers, you know, like you say, of what doesn't make me feel that good? Like what is triggering? triggering triggering <laughs> triggering um that kind of negative feeling because i know um my friend recently has just taught me how to do the mute button on instagram which i never knew existed but is so good because i think sometimes you know there is certain people that that i you know have followed for years and and it's nothing against them it's just not where i am in my life right now that i don't want to be constantly seeing that or you know they might be doing something similar or something a little bit better and it's just like you don't need that kind of constant reminder so, so, so I think true. just yeah going on there and muting them the that other day I spent a bit of time a doing really that. good tip for anyone listening like really yeah. you know that's such like it's a something that you can go out on action like mm-hmm. today absolutely um if there is someone that you don't want to unfollow because that's yeah. you know like you don't have anything against them you actually they're a friend maybe or you know yeah. whatever it be you want to stay connected um mm-hmm. but you don't need to see it every day that's one step you can take towards you know making sure that your feed is full of images that are you know kind of supportive and positive absolutely yeah and I just think that you know everyone is human and everyone feels those emotions as well so it's not like you get to a point in your life where you're like oh yeah no none of that bothers me anymore or I don't get you know jealous or you know I don't compare myself like you it's a working progress and you can realize that you're you still do it, but maybe not as much, or you realize the triggers of it. Um, But, you know, we all still do it. We're human. (laughs) One thing that I think about quite a bit is that, you know, they are very real human emotions, but what I have learned is they do, you you get so much better as you get older. So I'm 38. I'm going, oh my God, I'm nearly 40. So feeling that. Well, you look um, fabulous. You do. (laughs) Thanks. Um, But I, I feel like, okay, I have noticed how much easier things are for me, all of those competing emotions, etc. But what it makes me feel is like, oh my gosh, if I still feel this or this, like how is it for that younger generation? Because mm. I remember how amplified it was being a teenager going through all of these things. Absolutely. 
And that makes me really worried because even for, you know, kind of a 38-year-old, social Mm -hmm. media or things like that can have an adverse effect to a lesser degree, as I said, to when I was young. So then what are those young generations feeling? And I really feel for them and I think that that's something that we all need to tackle. And I know that Instagram has recently even spoken about how they're going to be implementing some changes, which I think is great. Like Mm -hmm. we do have a problem. We need to address how it is impacting, you know, kind of mental health and, and wellness. So. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, it's something that I have spoken about a bit in the podcast of, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't have social media. Like I was still doing dial up internet waiting for the little to go. And like, yeah, like there was no, there's no Facebook or Instagram. I think MySpace came in maybe when I was like 16. But yeah, I just like the impact that it must have on, you know, younger children now and, and all the editing apps that are out and constantly, yeah. you know, tweaking bodies. And it's just insane to think. And I, you know, it's kind of scary to think that our children are, are coming up in this generation. But it is great to see the conversation, even with something, a business as big as Instagram. On the flip side of that um, conversation, so for anyone that doesn't know, Instagram is thinking about turning off the likes so that you can't see how many likes or comments a photo gets. As a brand, what is your kind of thoughts on that? Does that have an impact at all? Not really. I mean, there are things that happen between brands where, you know, you you might do a marketing project together and that brand, so for example, we might do something with Nike or the Puma or Under Armour and they might go, great, let's work on something together. Here's a release. And we want to see how that works. As an individual or brand on social media, you will still know how many likes you can get. So we'll be able to share those with okay. our brand partners. Yep. There's maybe something to be you know, around how authentic those numbers are for other people sharing them. Like there's yeah. now got to be a level of you know discerning yeah. um, the truth in any numbers that are shared because you've got mm-hmm. no way to verify those. But for me, I'm not too worried about that. We can share our results with our partners. We can be really yeah. open and transparent with them. And overall, I think that I'm more concerned with doing what is right for the users of these platforms and making mm-hmm. sure we're moving towards a model which is healthier and just more positive and uplifting for the audience over what would, you know, kind of have any commercial impact to us. So even if there was a small commercial impact, I think we have to. We can't keep using a platform which is unhealthy and and Mm. that's just – goes against what we started the business for, you know. So, um, yeah, I think – even if we had to, we've, we've got to move towards something better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I thought it was a really interesting kind of conversation. And on a side to Healthy Hustlers, I actually have a talent management business. So I was talking to it with one of my talent just about, you know, what that impact is. And because, you know, I was saying it's obviously for the, the health of children and it's so important that we need to be doing that. But yeah, it does bring in another play of effect of, you know, people do rely on Instagram as their full-time business or their income as well. So yeah, it's quite an interesting conversation, but it's just that ever-evolving world, I guess, that we're in, especially in the marketing space of, of new ways of doing things and, yeah. and figuring out. So it could be exciting, I think. <laughs> I'm really keen to see how, how it evolves. Yeah, I agree. I think there is one thing that it still doesn't solve, which I think we still need um, to find a solution to. And that is that, to be really frank, social media is addictive. And Mm -hmm. it's addictive because even though your numbers won't be public to everyone else, you will still see the likes rolling in and you'll still be able to see that number. And science has shown that there basically is a reward system that releases dopamine when you get that sort of feedback so dopamine is addictive it's a sort of thing that like you can get a hit from dopamine if you go shopping or if you do all sorts of you know pleasurable things and it's addictive and so 
that is really great that we're no longer comparing ourselves to other people and did mm. I get more or less likes than someone, but it's still this addictive tool, yes, right? And definitely. especially for that younger generation. I mean, Madonna just spoke about her daughter and since she's gotten a phone, uh, I think Madonna said that she feels like her daughter's gotten lazy. Now, I'm sure that's not the truth of it, but you can kind of get at what mm. she's at. She's probably doing less other things now that she's like addicted to this smartphone. Yes. So I think that it's a really great step in the right direction mm-hmm. from Instagram, but I actually still think there needs to be more. Yes, definitely. And I think too in schools, like they give, my friend has a nine-year-old and they give, make them have compulsory iPads. And I just, I'm like, that is crazy. Like, they're nine. Yeah. They don't need an iPad. Yeah. Like I just think it's so insane. What happened to books and pens? Yeah, like, seriously. I know. <laughs> and doing your homework in a notepad yeah. like, <laughs> and having to show your teacher the next day. So to wrap up this beautiful conversation, I'd love to know what health means to you. We kind of have touched on it. I think that health is really quite holistic. It's not just working out. It's not just, you know, kind of eating a high protein diet or whatever Mm. it is that you kind of gravitate to. I think that you kind of know when you're in a good space um, and that takes a bit of everything. Like if you're working out, but you're unhappy because of some sort of, you know, kind of emotional place that you're at that's not quite healthy. If you are in a really good position, you know, philosophically and you're quite happy, but you're not working out or not eating well, you'll feel sluggish. So that's not healthy. So to me, health is really, um, you know, kind of slowly getting better at all of those things that when you're doing a bit of all of them, you're working on your mind, you're working on your body, you're working on nutrition, you feel great. You feel happy when you wake up. You don't feel like the first thing you need to do is check your phone, though I do know how tempting it is. You know, you make time to stop and smell the roses. You make time to slow down in a in a very fast-paced world and you have time to reflect on, you know, what you really want out of life. You don't just kind of get up and get stuck into it because when you're so busy, it sometimes feels like you just get stuck in that habit. Um, yeah, so for me, it's a very holistic goal of kind of working on all the different aspects of life and ultimately you should feel really good. Yeah, I love that so much. And now what does the future hold for you and Style Runner? A lot of it is connected with Style Runner. So for me, it's growing the business, supporting my team. I have such an incredible team here at Style Runner. Like we wouldn't be where we are today if it was just me. It's all my team. So I'm really excited to see that grow and to see them continue to to build this really incredible business alongside me. For the business, we do have something exciting coming out in a couple of months, as I kind of um, alluded to. It will be disruptive. Um, I think it'll be a bit of a game changer for us. So we don't like to do things small. So that is coming out in just a couple of months. I mean, we've really come at this from a place for, you know, what is the consumer going to love? So I think that it's going to be really surprising, but really exciting for consumers. So, yeah, we've been working very hard on that behind the scenes um, and can't wait to roll it out. Oh, I'm super duper excited <laughs> to know. I'll definitely be watching. And for anyone that would love to continue following your journey and style runners, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram mostly at Julie Stavania um, and style runner at, at style runner. Um, we also have Facebook account and yeah, LinkedIn as well. So, yeah. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for your time. I've absolutely loved chatting to you and I just can't wait to keep watching your journey and all the beautiful things that Star Runner and yourself achieved. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. 
If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.